The Conspiracy Podcast contains adult language, suggestive themes, sexual situations, and discussions of some pretty horrific events. Basically, all the good stuff. Thanks for listening. One of the most vile, evil, inhumane humans to ever walk the earth was born. He destroyed many people's lives, thought of himself as a prophet, a surgeon, and the one who could walk his people through the end of times. He's one of the most disgusting cult leaders there's ever been, and I know that's hard to imagine. His name was Roche Thoreau, and this is a warning for our listeners. This story is not easy. It involves heinous acts done to people by a crazed man who thought of himself as a god and a magical healer. If you don't think you can stand listening about people being tortured, killed, and then sexually accosted once dead, please skip this episode. We'll catch you next time. Everyone else who can stomach the horror that's about to be told, hang tight and we'll tell y'all a little story. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to Conspiracy, the podcast where we haven't seen you in a while, but we're back. And we're sorry, but we're not really, because 2020 is nuts. And we're here, and we're glad. And some of us are in different states, and it's fine. And I'm one of those people. I'm in a cornfield. If you can't hear this very well, it's because I'm not kidding. I'm in the cornfield. Hi, I'm Liz. She's actually changed her name to Malachi. <laughs> She who walks among the rose. That's, that's probably accurate. Hello, I'm still in my hobbit cave. This is Renee. And I'm still in my bedroom. This is Katie. <laughs> but yes, after all the ladies who uh, record a podcast once a month. And we're still in the middle of a fucking pandemic. So everybody, please stay home and wear a mask and wash your hands. Oh. Yeah. I don't think people understand that. Holidays are a thing that we constructed. They're literally a social construct. I was talking to my mom and I was like, we can celebrate Thanksgiving April 16th if we want to. Like (laughs) Christmas is whenever we decide it is because Mm -hmm. we created time. It's not worth it. Everybody just chill the fuck out and stay the fuck home because I would like to, you know, see my family before I die. Yeah. Thanks. Anyways, on an upbeat note, so much has changed since we recorded last. So much. First, we have a new president, which is great. Thank you, America. Thank you. Thank you, Georgia, you big, blue, beautiful bitch. Thank you, Stacey Abrams. You're fucking amazing and you will win in 2022. Bet your ass you will. Brian Kemp is just crying and probably rocking back and forth in a corner because daddy Trump's mad at him. Mm-hmm. Oh my God. I, I have you? developed a small crush on Papa, Papa Biden, daddy <laughs> Biden. Also no. though, I just like seeing more of Barack Obama cause Barack Obama, he was major daddy. Wow. I just had to take a moment. All right. <laughs> uh, all right. <laughs> so like the red shoe diaries. 
my gosh. <laughs> but yes, other than that, as Liz said, she's in a cornfield now. We've banished that her. That is true. I, I have moved Georgia. to the Midwest. Going back to my roots. I showed up in boots. <laughs> <laughs> no! <laughs> I want to start singing it, but I also know if I do start singing it, that's all Katie and I are going to do for the next, I like... I was about to do it, too. <laughs> I, I mean... I <laughs> the accent. <laughs> <sighs> Liz, how is your new job? Um, it's fine. It's fine. What, I make a lot have, more, what? a lot more money than I did before. And I don't have to pretend to be like, you know, really extra all the time. I can just be myself and I can wear jeans. And I'm in charge of a lot of people and a lot of things. So that's cool. Um, but it's definitely not as glamorous. And it's fine. That's fair. But who needs glamour, you know? Do you have a squirrel boyfriend yet? Um, There is a really, 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 really thick squirrel that comes on my deck sometimes. <laughs> and I, he's, like, thick with three Cs. But I think he's just packing for winter. He's super cute. Oh, damn. Aww. Good. But no, nothing, nothing new in that department. It's just me and my uh, Guy Fieri marathons. <laughs> <laughs> well what are you guys drinking because i'm drinking if you guys are about to ruin my night i am having well wait any guesses as to what i'm having is it pumpkin spice no it's christmas it's peppermint time mocha. peppermint no. mocha or 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 eggnog or gingerbread or uh you're just <laughs> creme brulee or caramel. think about my alcohol preferences at its like most basic. Is it a pumpkin spice white claw? She said Christmas time. No, 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 no. I said, uh, first of all, it's Christmas, Ew. so it wouldn't be pumpkin spice. It is a watermelon white claw. Oh. Oh. That's not very Christmassy. I was just saying it wouldn't be pumpkin spice regardless. Okay. Well, she drops pumpkin spice right after Halloween. Rude. Yeah, I do. Only peppermint, <laughs> chestnuts, and pralines, baby. <laughs> oh, the chestnut praline is really good. I've been using the silk, uh, silk almond creamer, dark chocolate peppermint mocha in my coffee. Mm. Oh my god, it's so oh. good, so good. That sounds so good. What are you guys drinking? I've got three three beverages. Oh boy, um, <laughs> I've you know, I, well two. I've, one of them is water. That doesn't count. And then I brewed myself a pot of ginmacha tea or ginmacha, ginmacha. I don't know. It's green tea that's got puffed brown rice in it. It's really yeah. good. And it's very light. And I thought Liz would like this, but now she probably won't. <laughs> but I've also got a pumpkin spice Irish coffee. So I got some um, pumpkin spice creme liqueur. That I use for Bailey's, and I have it in my. I'm holding it up as if you guys can see it. My Melakaliki Maka mug. Oh my gosh! Yeah, which I started using because we had it up with our Christmas stuff. Yes. Yeah, so it's my Christmas mug, and um, 
So we unpacked everything on what Friday or Saturday, maybe even Thursday. <laughs> I think Thursday. We just started pulling down the Christmas stuff and decorating. So and a week earlier than usual. Look at you. We're so yeah. proud. 2020 broke me. I'm in the Christmas mood now. <laughs> I'm so excited for you. Mm-hmm. I haven't started. I haven't listened to Snowden yet, though. I'm saving that for tomorrow because that's my December 1st album. But yes, I'll officially start it. All right, Katie, what are you drinking? Um, I'm drinking water and then peach and honey sparkling water. And then Gypsy Cold Care Hot Tea. Yum. Not that I have a cold. I just really enjoy the way this one tastes because it has like elderflower spice in it. Ooh. Okay. Yes. Maybe we should get on with this story, shouldn't we? Yeah, probably. Oh, yeah. And for real, Liz, um, if there is ever a moment when Katie is talking or I am talking and you feel like you need a break or a breather, please, like, don't hesitate. Yes. Okay. Like we said in the intro, um, we're about to tell you the story of a man who managed to fool not too many people. Because I think at the you know the peak time of this cult, they only had what they didn't even have a hundred members. No, I think they only had like forty. Yeah. So I mean, he didn't. It's not like he had a huge following like Jim Jones. Um, yeah. It was very small, but he had a complex and mm-hmm. he ruined a lot of people's lives so <clears throat> we are talking about roche Thoreau, who was the founder leader of the anthill kids so roche Thoreau was born in saguenay quebec canada into a french canadian family he was a very intelligent kid but he dropped out of school in the seventh grade he felt at the age of 13 14 probably 15, that the end of the world was near and there was no better way to start to prepare for that than to stop all education and just immerse yourself into the Old Testament. Smart. Going places. (laughs) This led to Thoreau converting (laughs) from Catholicism to Seventh-day Adventist. Seventh-day Adventists are firm believers in keeping the body and the mind very clean. Um, They heavily suggest eating a clean diet staying away from tobacco, drugs, and alcohol. Um, in 1977, when Thoreau was 30, he ran a clinic for the Seventh-day Adventist Church in Quebec. The clinic was a clinic for people who were wanting to quit smoking. So this was how Thoreau began meeting more people who thought like him, religion-wise, and how he started building relationships with people. Due to his charming, charismatic ways, he had a small following of about 10 people who would listen to him speak. This small group of people and Thoreau opened up a clinic of their own called Healthy Living Clinic in St. Marie, Quebec. The group wore matching outfits, which were like these long, same colored, plain ass tunics. Um, which, hey, first warning sign when the guy's like, hey, everybody has to wear a matching outfit all the time. Wee-oo, wee-oo, wee-oo. Either a cult or Jared Leto. Oh, wait, also a Oh, God. (laughs) Oh, God. I can't wait to do an episode on his cult one day. So they wore matching outfits and they quit their jobs because Thoreau convinced them to do so. One of the patients at the Healthy Living Clinic was recovering from anorexia. So Thoreau treated her with organic foods and grape juice and she ended up dying and Thoreau was subsequently told to leave the church. Literally killed this woman who was suffering from an eating disorder and 
basically fed her like organic fruits and vegetables and fucking grape juice. How is that curing Ugh. someone yeah, that- who doesn't even eat as it is, but you're giving them small morsels of food and you're not wow. doing at all? <laughs> like, what would a crazed man who thinks of himself as God do next? Uh, go into the woods and starve to death and <laughs> save everybody the trouble. Dye his hair black, get icy blue contacts, and put on a white robe. <laughs> no, the sad, yes. the sad thing, Liz, is you are not that far off from how this guy actually looks. Uh, oh no! Okay, he went on to start a commune with a small following. Um, some initial rules he had in place for these followers were to stop all contact and communication with the church and their family members. That's red flag number two. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. His goal of starting the commune was so that people could freely listen to his motivational speeches, live in unity and equality, and be free of sins. Basically, he wanted to watch them and control their every move. As Thoreau's fear about the end of the world increased, he made the decision to move his followers into the woods of Canada. So in 1978, Thoreau and his followers hiked to a mountainside called the Eternal Mountain located in St. Jogues in the Gaspé Peninsula. Apparently, the end of the world would not happen here on this mountainside in Canada. It was just going to skip right over them. And just can we just can we talk about how hilarious it is be, that they chose to settle near a body of water called Dry Lake, <laughs> right? Lock sick. Yes, I mean, but perfection. I mean, Thoreau isn't the small, the smartest guy, so. I mean. No. He's charismatic, though, and that's all you need. Apparently, that is all you need. Thoreau put his followers to work right away while he sat on his ass and watched with pleasure. Very Jonesian. Right. The cult followers built a town in this small Canadian mountainside, and to Thoreau, they resembled ants working. Hence the name he gave the cult, the Ant Hill Kids, because he literally said, I'm going to call this group the Ant Hill Kids. Which is such like a misleading name because... Mm-hmm. I'm I'm not sure if either of you guys are aware of this particular video series because it's old and also I feel like I I don't know. You guys might not know it, but it immediately made me think of the Buttercream Gang. What is that? If you guys are familiar with that. That's weird. That sounds I don't know about that. I want to say it's a video series put out by Focus on the Family or a Focus on the Family-esque production company. But it's basically just like, oh, shucks, good kids doing good for the neighborhood, which is the first thing that like popped into my head. And then I was like, oh, no, this is like, this is not good. This is not a cute little band of ruffians, you know, helping old ladies build their fences. This sounds like a camp, like Ant Hill Kids. It sounds like the name you would call your cabin at summer camp. Yeah. When you Google Ant Hill Kids, it's like. 60% 60% articles about the cult and 40% fun activities for kids about right. anthills. Right. So Thoreau's prediction about the end of the world was set to take place in 1979. Well, 1979 came and went and the world was still spinning and had in fact not ended. What? No. A cult leader wrong about the end of the world? <laughs> That's never happened that never before. <laughs> no. Thinking about you, Marshall Applewhite and Bonnie Nettles and whatever the fuck your names are, I can't remember. <laughs> so the world not ending started to make Thoreau's followers question him and his holy wisdom um, he was constantly speaking about. So how did Thoreau save his ass and not lose followers? 
He told them our time on earth and God's time are not parallel to one another. Basically, God runs on a different timeline from everyone else on earth because that makes sense. I mean, these people believed everything he told them. Thoreau told his followers he was a reincarnated version of Moses. And he wanted his followers to Uh follow. (laughs) Yes. Hold on, hold on. But he wanted his followers to call him Pappy, which is another word for father. And Moses actually means son. So the next part makes him want. So wait, I don't know what I just wrote in my notes. Hold on. Hold on. Oh, so him wanting his followers to call him Pappy makes that even more creepy. Like, and then he he married all the women. Oh, no, yeah, yeah. So I was it, about to say that he married every woman in the cult except for maybe two. And he had you ready for this, Liz? He had twenty six fucking kids with these women. Wait a second, twenty six kids. Renee, oh, yeah, is this these women? Is this like that movie that I watched on Hulu a while ago that you said was good about the cult? The um, new I would. I would say, well, no, because there's actually men in this cult. There's quite a few oh, men okay. in this cult. Yes. Um, they just all get cucked. And um, yeah, also, like, even before, I, I don't know, he must be extremely charismatic because, of course, you know, 78 is when Jonestown happens. And, th- like, suddenly everybody wants, everybody's really, ugh. Everybody is very worried about doomsday cults and he straight up goes and has a psych evaluation done to prove that he is not a crazy person and he's able to, he passes. Like he's, but the funny thing about it is it's like the Canadian government knew about the anthill kids because they even told him to not have any other contact with any cult leaders el- anywhere else, with it, it, like in Canada or the United States or anywhere else in the world. Mm-hmm. Like, wow. But yet, <laughs> he's not a cult leader. At least he probably, more than likely, as we've seen before, doesn't think that he's a cult leader. So, I mean. Well, yeah. He, well, he told them that the commune was a democracy. Exactly. <laughs> so, between his wives the men of the group, and his kids, which I know earlier we said 40, but when you add in the 26 kids, Thoreau had 66 followers, essentially, if you oh, wow. the kids throughout the 80s. No one, I think that's why he wanted to have so many kids, bump up that follower count. I, probably, because nobody else, because he was like, why is nobody else joining my cult? Mm-hmm. Why does is nobody else crazy? think I'm as, as charismatic as all these people who I've somehow managed to uh, convince them to quit their jobs and come live on the side of a mountain with me. Thoroughly, thoroughly trick. This number uh, actually would start to drop uh, as some of the followers were actually killed by the torture he put them through, which Renee is going to talk about some. Can't wait. Thoreau would put his followers through his attempt at healing them. A lot of his healing also happened while he was insanely intoxicated, he became a heavy drinker. Um, even though he preached of health and wellness and taking care of your body by not putting toxic substances into your body. That sounds like me two to three years ago. Yeah. 
<laughs> and if people fell asleep while he was delivering his drunken sermons, he would smack their head with a four-inch thick club. Yes, because he was fucking crazy. Um, fucking crazy! So to that, I have to say to him, if he was still here on this earth, practice what you fucking preach, man. You're sitting here telling people what they can and cannot eat, what they can and cannot do, who they can and cannot talk to, and yet you are getting fucking plastered every single day. And mm-hmm. eating, um, what, what, he started eating meat and junk food again? Yes, yes. He just went completely against the whole, like, Seventh-day Adventist thing. And, like, wasn't... He didn't give a shit. Wasn't the healthy eating, like, one of the main reasons he joined the Seventh-day Adventist? Yeah, that was one of, yes. Because he liked the teachings that they, that, you know, the fact that they were about a pure, clean body and mind. You know, no tobacco. Um, mm-hmm drinking eating the good eating like uh organic foods and like the more uh produce and stuff that comes from the earth instead of the processed stuff yeah Um, and then he just went completely against it right as soon as he could so his excessive drinking is what started Thoreau's downward spiral into a more totalitarian leader not only were members not allowed to speak to family members or have any contact with them at all He also made a new rule that followers were not allowed to even speak to other followers unless he was present. What? Yes. He, like, which, how how did he know? Put aside everything else, okay? That's all questionable. But when you start to tell me I can't talk to my friends, I'm out. And also, um, nobody could have sex. (gasps) Well, bye. (laughs) You were not allowed to have sex with anyone else unless he gave permission. He yeah. had to say it was okay, which this isn't, I'm pretty sure this isn't the first time we've actually talked about this with a cult leader. Oh, absolutely not. Like, I mean, there are so many, like, that's the whole thing. Cause these leaders are like, you're going to have sex with me. You want to have sex? Like, oh my God, uh, fucking Liz's cult. Um, oh, Michelle. Yes. You can have sex with anyone else unless you're having sex with me or unless I give you permission mm-hmm. or if I can watch weirdo uh, <laughs> stop calling it liz's cult i'm dead cold <laughs> yes that's that's the one you're going in liz i mean jonestown's my cult so yeah and heaven's gates is mine the controlling nature he was displaying was just the tip of the iceberg for how he was with his followers he eventually became very abusive um to his followers in many unimaginable ways he would take more than one woman to bed with him to have sex with them and he would force them to orgasm over and over and i know this sounds great and all for all you kinky people out there myself included but it was more like a contest to throw to see who could orgasm the most it's like, also like a uh, it's like a consent thing <laughs> yes yeah but i mean i don't know because i've seen pictures with him with these women and they're all smiles none of them look miserable <clears throat> They're all like smiling from ear to ear. So, I mean, also, if you. Like also, that's like the cruelest form of sexual abuse. Right? Is like, I'm so good that you won't know you're being abused. <sighs> Just having <laughs> orgasms left and right every single day. You're like, this is great. <laughs> um, sorry, I lost my spot. He would sexually abuse the children as well. Uh, 
He would sometimes be the one committing the sexual acts, but he would also have children perform sexual acts on other members or have members perform sexual acts on the children, which oh, yeah. I'm sorry. I know that's so hard to hear. No, I actually talk more about that and include Good. some quotes that the Good, children. I, that's as far as I got. I was like, nope. Uh, because Thoreau, even with his erratic behavior, was so charming and spoke to his followers with such passion, they didn't even bat a fucking eye at anything he was doing. Many of his followers did not try to stand up to him, and many of them suffered great mental, emotional, sexual, and physical abuse from Thoreau. He would manipulate followers into thinking God was communicating with him and telling him of their sins that they were committing, and that is why... He was getting away basically with his abuse or like the followers were totally okay with it because they were like, God's watching us and he's, God's communicating with our fearless leader. And, oh, this is why. It's okay. It's fine. Because he was spying on them. He was yeah. regularly spying on his followers to like make mm -hmm. sure they weren't doing anything that they weren't supposed to be doing. So, so fucked up. So, how bad was the abuse, you ask? Really bad. It's really, really bad. Yeah. Well, if members even tried to leave the commune, they would be physically hurt. Which, in that case, I would just either run the fuck away as fast as I possibly can, and I would not tell him I wanted to leave. I'd just get the hell out of there without saying bye, bitch. But, if he <laughs> tried to leave, he would hit his followers with a belt or a hammer. He would suspend them from the ceiling. Mm. He would pluck every Ooh. hair off of their body, or even ah. poop. He would poop. <gasps> yes, poop on them. Yep, on them. Yep. He would literally nail kids to trees and have other kids and members <laughs> throw rocks at them. He would mm -hmm. hold kids above fire and tell the mothers to beg for their safety and to be saved from the torture. He would make members break their own legs with a sledgehammer. He would eat their. Uh, he would make the members eat their feces make them sit on stovetops and turn them on, shoot each other in the shoulder. And all of this was occurring while Thoreau was, like, drunk as fucking hell. And you know yeah. what he would do the next morning when he woke up from his drunken stupor and hung over a shit? He would sob with his head in between his legs at the torture and the horror that he put his followers through the day before. He would beg God to stop making him commit such heinous acts on the people he created a community with. And in 1985, one of the mothers actually left her baby out in the freezing cold to die because she couldn't bear to witness any more torture being done to the infant by Thoreau. Literally beating the infant. Right. Knowing that the infant was going to die under his care. She, the better option for this woman was to just allow her baby to die in the cold. Like, mm -hmm. if and you have to think, dying in the cold. It's probably painful as fuck. So for her to sit there and, and, and think that that's better than being killed by this man, like that's how insane and awful his, his torture was to these people and these people. Yeah. <laughs> so sorry. So this unexpected death caused Child Protective Services to investigate the cult, and they ended up removing 14 kids aged six months to 16 years from the community. And from 1986 to 1988, nine more babies were taken away after childbirth. Oh yeah. As soon as those babies popped out, what I, right. what is it? CAS? They just came and were like, nope, give, nope. That's who we're taking that one too. Children's Aid Society, the Kawartha Halliburton Children Aid, Children's Aid Society had their <laughs> eyes on them. 
Thank goodness for those people. Thank goodness for them. They were frustrated because they could only take care of the children. And it's like, you see that other stuff needs to be done, but the only thing you can do is help the children. I mean, at least those kids were able to be spared. Well, the ones who actually were alive and lived. Yes. Okay. So like I said, Liz, like it's going to get really bad. So please don't feel like you have to suffer through it. If you need a break, just say you need a break. I might need a break because Katie said some pretty horrific stuff and that's just like glossing over what this asshole did. Okay. So content warning. I know this is the third one, but with the stuff I'm about to discuss, I feel the need to give a third one. So we're just going to say a content warning for body horror, necrophilia, uh, child abuse, torture, and fuck, whatever other terrible things you can think of. Just imagine if Albert Fish started a cult. So real quick, sources, Roche Thoreau, The Charismatic Sadistic Cult Leader by Robbie Runesberg, The Anhill Kids by Emily Thompson, Savage Messiah, which is a really good book by Paul Kathlaw and Ross Laver. Don't know if I'm pronouncing that right. And the two um, articles in McLean's, which were written in 1993 about the cult, which I'm pretty sure is the year he was sentenced. So that's why they both came out in 93. Um, these are both titled The Anhill Kids and Under the Spell of a Madman. So, okay, up until now, like, barring some of the other torturous things Katie mentioned, this cult is pretty similar to most things you read about. Like, the leader claims to have direct access to God. There's a false apocalypse prediction. Uh, The leader decides that he has to marry all the women and take them as his wives. So it's, we're really like, I feel like up until you get into the really bad stuff, it's basically Waco without the government intervention. Got it. But it's about to get pretty bad. So like, if you're eating, stop eating. And also, to make it worse, this is not a complete or exhaustive list of all the atrocities that went on in this cult, because honestly, I can only stomach talking about so much. So with that said, let's start the way all good stories start with the death of a child. All good stories. So there are at least three different versions of this story that I found in my research. So I'm going to go over each version. The main version. So on March 23rd, 1980 or 1981, Roche decided that Samuel Giger, one of the outsiders, <laughs> was that worse? <laughs> I liked it better. <laughs> um, so Samuel was one of the outsider children, um, which meant that he wasn't one of Roche's children. And he needed to be circumcised. Oh, no. no. So using a blade and a 94% ethanol solution for sterilization, he took it upon himself to complete the act while administering the ethanol solution orally and as as an anesthetic. Mm -mm. The next morning, Samuel was found dead. Roche feigned concern that if they buried Samuel's body, it could be dug up by some of the animals in the forest, and he insisted on cremation instead. Fast forward to September... And there was a guy in the cult named Guy Veer, a guy named Guy. (laughs) 
<laughs> and he joined up with them after leaving a mental institution. And apparently Roche didn't like him very much because in September he decided to concoct a story involving Veer beating Samuel to death and demanded that he now stand trial for this misdeed. Samuel's father, Jacques, it's a French name I can't pronounce, Jacques was appointed the judge, and after deliberating for an hour, he declared Veer not guilty by reason of insanity. As you know, mental institution. Oh my god. So, despite this, Roche still wanted Veer to be punished for this crime he had decided he committed, and suggested to the others that he should be castrated. The group put it to a vote, and Roche set about talking Veer into submitting to the verdict voluntarily, Basically, by suggesting to Veer that as a eunuch, his headaches that he had been complaining about and his masturbation habits would both be cured. And he would also move up the ranking in the cult from slave to ballless slave? I don't really know. <laughs> he made Veer write a letter of consent and finally left the decision on whether or not to sign the letter in Veer's own hands. He signed, obviously. And Roche carried out this surgery on the kitchen table. So that's the main story. In a different version, Roche sliced open the genitals genital of Samuel after the young boy had difficulty urinating. When Samuel wouldn't stop crying after the surgery, uh, Thoreau ordered Guy Veer to beat the young boy who died from his injuries. And then in yet another version, Samuel is left in the care of Guy while the rest of the adults partied. When his parents oh returned, God. they found yeah, they found Samuel badly beaten because of his injuries. The little boy is unable to urinate, and Roche performs the castration operation on him, and the boy dies. So three different versions of this story. One thing they all have in common, Veer is punished for Samuel's death by being castrated. He eventually escapes the commune and tells police what happened. As a result, Quebec raided the camp and arrested seven of the cult members. And for the horrific crime of murdering a two-year-old child and castrating a grown man, Roche spent a whole 18 months in Orsonville prison near Quebec City. They fucked up on that one. Oh, majorly. Fucking majorly. Which just always happens. When he, when he was released, along with the other cult members, they moved to Ontario because there was a parole order in Quebec that the rest of the cult members couldn't associate with each other. So to get away from that, they purchased 200 acres of land in the wilderness near Burnt River, northeast of Toronto. <laughs> so at this point, they were making their living selling baked goods. And when disciples didn't bring enough money, they were severely punished by Roche. And this was only the beginning of his abuses and torture. Yeah. For instance, when Maurice uh, Grenier began to talk about leaving, Roche instructed Jacques Giguer, mm -hmm. or Maurice's husband, to cut off one of her toes with an axe as a punishment. When he didn't want to, Roche began to taunt him. And I can say this word because I'm gay. He began to taunt him. What are you, a faggot? Don't you have any balls? If you want to be a man, you have to learn how to teach your woman a lesson. Ugh. When Jacques began to cry, Roche grabbed the axe and threatened to cut all of her toes off. Ah! So reluctantly, oh Jacques took the axe and severed one of her small toes. 
One night in February of 1987, Roche threw a hunting knife at Giselle, who was his original wife and long-suffering. Like, she... Poor fucking Giselle. She went through a ton of shit. And I'm pretty sure that when it all finally evaporated, she fucking left him. I really fucking hope so. Anyway, he threw a hunting knife at her, creating a wound three inches deep in her thigh, which immediately began gushing blood. So... Mm Naturally, he went to get another beer and went to sleep. And when he awoke two hours later, a clot had formed in her leg, which had swollen. Mm. So he decided to operate, pressing the leg to cause the wound to reopen, probing it with a red-hot iron file, and pouring cup after cup of boiling water on this poor woman's leg. And then a week later, when the wound was still infected, he filled it with salt, olive oil, and spruce gum. Is he baking it? Certainly sounds like it. Is he baking it? <laughs> oh, God, it's taking me back to eating people. Who was that? Albert Fish? No, the other one cooked the food, tried to feed it to his kids. That was a lady. Albert Fish. No, it was not uh, Albert Fish, was you it? You Australia that cooked her husband? Yes. Catherine Knight. Yes, yes. So after her leg healed a bit, Giselle tried to escape, but a few days later she went back, which is like the story of a lot of people in this cult is they'll escape and then they'll go back in a few days. Because I don't know, they don't know how to live their life without the cult. Like they're like, they're like, I don't know what to do with my life. Like that's how fucked up in the head these people are from listening to some man who they worship, who acts like he is fucking the Messiah. Like, I mean. Mm-hmm. So, in addition to the fucked up shit Katie talked about, here are the other disciplinary practices Roche used on his followers. Um, he passed an uh, acetylene torch over a woman named Jose's back until her skin bubbled. He also passed the torch over a woman named Nicole's stomach the day she gave birth for the first time. He hit Jacques in the head with a blunt axe and broke his ribs with a wooden club. He punched his firstborn son, Roche Jr., in the face when he refused to wrestle his brother, uh, Francois. Uh, he beat Nicole again when she was three months pregnant, causing her to miscarry. And then on another occasion, he shot a 303 caliber bullet through her shoulder. Oh, my God. He punched uh, Solange in the neck, knocking her out. He forced Jacques to smash Gabrielle's thigh with a sledgehammer. Another time, he squeezed Gabrielle's hand in a vice. <gasps> he burned Gabrielle's breast and genitals with a torch. <gasps> I'm not even halfway done. He had Jacques cut off half of Gabrielle's left baby finger with a pair of wire cutters. What the? Um, this one's pretty bad, so I'm sorry in advance. At one point, Gabrielle's uterus prolapsed. After a hard day of working, oh the God. organ protruded three inches outside of her vagina. <gasps> Roche yeah. attempted himself, punching the uterus back inside her body <gasps> and fashioning a wooden cone and truss to plug it up in there. Oh, uh, what? And he dealt with that for a whole year before he left the commune to go to Utah, I believe, and she was able to go to the hospital and get a partial hysterectomy. Mm-mm. 
He also made her cut a, this is Gabrielle still, cut a hole in the ice of a pond and jump in the freezing water. He broke Solange's cheekbone when she was six months pregnant. And then there's, if it's, I can pronounce it Claude, right? Mm -hmm. Like Claude is how it's pronounced. It's not Mm -hmm. like Claude. (laughs) Claude. Oh man, it's good to be back. So Claude. Yeah, that, <laughs> is that a French thumbs up? It's just Claude. So poor Claude, he used a piece of broken glass to slice his arm open. He pulled 11 of Claude's teeth with a pair of pliers when there was nothing wrong with his teeth. Oh Had one of his wives break Claude's legs with a sledgehammer. He hogtied Claude and suspended him from the ceiling for an hour while he ordered his wives to pluck all of his pubic hairs out. Okay, what? Yeah, I'm just going to tell you guys, and he squeezed Gabrielle and Giselle's nipples with vice grips until they bled. Wait, what? Yes. Oh, my poor titties. Oh my. <laughs> um, and he would also occasionally just force the members of the commune to fight each other in the nude for his own amusement. Ew. Usually two women, but he would also have men and women fight each other or just have men stand in. Uh, the middle of a circle of women while the women kicked and punched him. And then, like Katie said, because we are living in hell now, his punishments also extended to children, both his own and the outsider children. Mm. One follower told police that Roche was convinced the children needed the devil beaten out of them and that the other adults were too spiritually weak to do it themselves, so he had to do it for them. In addition to the shit Katie talked about, the children were also deprived of education, except for his own brand of religious education and sex education, including him telling the children that God lived underground because flowers grew up from the ground. He also stressed that God sometimes demanded blood sacrifices, Mm. like when he held a secret ritual just for the kids Mm. where he was Fucked naked and disemboweled a goat that one of his daughters had hand raised and bathed yeah. himself in the goat. Stop. <laughs> Do you like God yet, kids? So, yes. Thankfully, in 1985, Kawartha Halliburton Children's Aid Society. Good things rarely happen in cults like this, but this was a good thing. They came and took all of the kids and then went back and took the rest of them. So all of the children became wards of the crown because this is Canada. So like, mm-hmm. okay, so here are court records. And I'm just going to say if you, for the next 15 oh, to God. 30 seconds. Did you say minutes? Seconds. Oh, whew. I was about to cry. This is just, I was going to be like, no, not torture for 30 minutes. What? No, 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 no. It's just, you know, it's stuff that you... If you're really sensitive to, like, child stuff, it's hard to hear. Court records quote a six-year-old girl saying, Roche likes me to pull on his penis and make white stuff come out of it. Everybody is doing it, including mom. Mom and me take turns. Mm -mm. (gasps) The records also indicate that he instructed one boy to masturbate a male adult. Oh, my God. And when one of his sons requested sexual favors from one of the girls in the commune, he took him to a prostitute in Toronto to help him. I'm sorry. And how old was this boy? It didn't say. Oh, my God. 
Yeah. I wanted to pour myself more tea. So, although I have to say, even now, we're still in like children of God territory, which granted children of God is an incredibly fucked up cult. Mm -hmm. But like all of this shit we've talked about and it gets worse. Yeah. It's worse. Mm -mm. Ah! I need a sip of tea to prepare me for this. Oh, God. Like we've mentioned, despite the shit that he pulled against these people, the members of the Anhill kids never once questioned his authority. And he took advantage of this trust by slipping further into depravity and torture. Going back to the original mission of the commune, he strongly believed in purifying his subordinates. He would rid them of their sins through purification sessions where the members would be completely nude as he whipped and beat them. Mm-mm. In claiming to be a holy being, he demonstrated his healing powers through surgeries performed on sick members, where he would often inject a, the 94% ethanol solution into followers' stomachs and regularly performed circumcisions and castrations, as we've seen, on children and adults in the group. When Pappy became angry and drunk, he would take on the role of surgeon. The patient would be held down, fully conscious by the other followers, and he would go to work on them with whatever he had handy in the kitchen, pliers, and sometimes even a blowtorch. A blowtorch? God damn. He's fucking insane. He's fucking insane. So I talked a little bit about the shit that was committed on Claude before. For an unspecified minor transgression... Roche punished Claude by placing a rubber band around Claude's testicles. No. An hour later, he noticed his scrotum had swelled to the size of an orange and had turned various colors. And then, when Claude complained about one of his testicles becoming infected, Roche, who was drunk at the time, made an incision in his scrotum, removed a testicle and cauterized the incision with a piece of hot iron. What? And they just stayed. Mm-hmm. Okay, go on. Yeah, I'm sorry. <laughs> but these people, if you're witnessing and helping, or, like, you know what the fuck's going on, why? I mean... Why? We, I, don't, I don't get it. I love you, Katie, but if you ever tried to give me a molasses enema, <laughs> that's the end of our friendship. We haven't even gotten there yet. Why? Our friendships haven't even gotten there yet. <laughs> we haven't even seen each other's buttholes yet. <laughs> oh, okay. Well, anywho. Okay. Go on. I know I know I keep saying it gets worse, but I'm I'm literally about to talk about the worst thing I've ever heard of one person doing to another person. Oh my god. Mm-hmm. Okay. I'm prepped, and if my new coworkers are listening, I'm we're not always like this. Oh my god, I know. My coworkers <laughs> said they were gonna listen to, and I'm so sorry. Um, I'm also sorry. Please don't, don't fire me. I don't know who I don't know who this woman is that I'm talking to right now. Um, I just I'm jo- I I'm a guest. <sighs> are you? You mean me? Yes, you. I'm bitch. here in this chat room against my will. <laughs> she threatened both of us. <laughs> Renee's got our nipples and vice clamps. Oh God, that's exactly Only what in she your said. Teams, first of all, <laughs> she made it sound so kinky, so we were on board at first, and then she tricked us. 
Okay. I'm sorry. I'm psyching myself up for this. Oh, God. So, oh, God. Roche's Pièce de Résistance came on don't, September don't do, 28th. Hold on. Don't do that uh-huh. beautiful phrase when you're about to talk about somebody's butthole or whatever you're about <laughs> to talk about. <laughs> All right, fine. So, his big main terrible event thank you was on september 28 1988 he spent the morning drinking and picking fights with his followers because why the fuck not suddenly he assumed an eerie calm and as he had many times in the past asked any of his disciples if they required medical treatment one of his followers solange boya complained of abdominal pain. Oh no. So Roche forced her to undress and lie down on the kitchen table, which is where he performed all of his surgeries. Then, wearing red velour robes and a gold-colored crown, the symbols of his proclaimed role as king of the Israelites, Roche punched Solange in the stomach and performed a cruel enema by shoving a tube up her rectum and mm. filling her with olive oil and molasses. Oh my god. Oh my fucking god. That is the too many times that I have read and heard that statement today. I'm done. I know. I know so many. Yeah. Then he cut her stomach open without anesthesia and ripped out parts of her intestines with his bare hands. Declaring the surgery complete and saying that she would have no more trouble, he forced another member, Gabrielle Lavage, to stitch her up. Then he shoved a tube down Solange's throat and made Gabrielle and other women blow air into it. Mm. (laughs) Unsurprisingly, Solange died the next day of what they believe was peritonitis which is a fatal leaking of her digestive fluids into her abdominal cavity um roche however insisted he held the powers of resurrection this resurrection (sighs) no no you don't of drilling a hole in the dead woman's skull and having every male member of the cult including himself no ejaculate into it no Mm -mm. no Mm-hmm. He, no. he then began having strange mm-hmm. dreams in which Solange was inside his body and taking shape from his spilled semen. Through Ugh. this, he became convinced that Solange was to be the first reverse birth, a spiritual rebirth through the belly of the male to parallel the carnal rebirth through the womb of the female. What? After mm-hmm. holding a post-mortem marriage with Solange's dead body, no. Roche filled a small jar with ashes from her cremated body and olive oil, and to ensure her rebirth was on track, he would regularly masturbate into the jar. I have so many Why? I'm af- I'm afraid I don't have any answers. What did he do with that jar? He jacked off into it. Yes, but what did he do afterwards? I have a question, and it might not be the most important question, but it's a very... It's a question I keep asking myself. Why is he so obsessed with olive oil? I don't know. Also, Maybe because it's natural? That was the weirdest, scariest thing I've ever heard. Yeah. Okay. A few more tough things. 
But then Katie gets to talk again. <sighs> after all of this shit, after people escaped and came back, it took Gabrielle Levaye's near-death experience to finally bring to light all of these horrible atrocities. Even after the shit she endured that I mentioned before, the worst for her was yet to come. Oh. So a month after Solange died, Roche unleashed his destructive energies on Gabrielle, ripping out eight of her teeth to treat a toothache. Mm -hmm. That was in October. The following July, in order to cure stiffness in one of her fingers, he impaled her right hand to a wooden table with a hunting knife. Mm -mm. I stood there for an hour, she recalls in an interview. I didn't want to lose consciousness because if I did, I knew he would kill me. He was drunk, of course. My armed, my armed, my arm turned blue and dark. He decided to amputate it. Oh my God. In a crude operation with no anesthetic, of course, oh, no. hacked off her right arm between the shoulder and the elbow. He oh decided my. to use a cleaver, but on, said Gabrielle, but on the first try, he didn't do the job because the blade was so dull it didn't chop it. But the second time, the job was done. Mm. And then, after he'd done this, he left her to spend the night writhing in pain on the kitchen floor. And then the next morning, Jacques stitched up her bloody stump. The next day, she went to a women's shelter because she was like, holy fuck, I have to get out of here. But then returned to the compound because Jacques asked her to. Oh, my God. A couple of days later, Roche decided that her stump had gangrene, so he used a pair of scissors to cut out the infection. And then, for good measure, just because he also he also cut a chunk from her breast. Yeah, what? why? And then whacked her on the head with the side of an axe, just because, I guess. Mm -mm. So she fled once again, but this time she just ran into the woods. And when she came to her senses two days later, I guess came out of shock from this stuff happening to her, she found that insects had laid eggs in her head wound. <gasps> I'm sorry, oh. what? Yes. Insects? What Do we know what kind of insects? I, she didn't say, but probably flies. I was going to say maggots. maggots. Yeah. Oh, my God. Oh my so God. she returned to the cabin for some reason where... She found Roche drunk and really eager to operate on her again. And she let him again. Oh, I don't know why. <sighs> Is she still alive? She's still alive. She's yeah. still alive today. Wow. So Jacques used the acetylene torch to cut a piece off the drive shaft of one of the old junk cars they had in the yard. Roche heated this metal until it was red hot and pressed it against Gabrielle's stump to cauterize it. He was so drunk, he kept dropping it on her body before he finally finished. <sighs> After this, on August 16th, she finally takes her ass to a hospital. Finally. But she originally lied to them and told her she had just gotten into a horrific accident, and that's why she was missing her arm. But it clearly... It was a lie, so the hospital called the police anyway, and she eventually told them the true story. The constable filed a charge of aggravated assault against Roche, but when the police arrived on August 19th with a warrant, 
the compound was deserted. Roche, Jacques, a woman named Chantel, and Nicole, together with the two youngest babies, fled to Quebec. And the others had gone home to their families because they were like, we've had enough of this bullshit. On August 6th, Giselle went to the police and told them about Solange's death, which, funnily enough, was the very day Roche was apprehended by the police fucking finally. And everyone involved fled guilty to all the charges laid against them relating to Gabrielle's amputation. And Roche initially got 12 years, which was reduced to 10 years because of his genuine remorse and concern for the victim. Oh my God. Jacques got five years, Chantel two years, and Nicole 18 months. But then, thankfully, the police also pressed charges against him for first-degree murder, and he ended up getting charged with second-degree murder because they couldn't prove that it was premeditated. So he was sentenced to life in prison. He was eligible for parole in 1999, but thankfully did not get it. However, even while in prison, three of his wives continued to do conjugal visits and bore him two more children. I don't fucking get it. I don't fucking get it. It, yeah. I am, I apologize for everything. I am sorry to everyone, but Katie has a happy ending. Yeah. So as Renee said, everything ended in 1989. And uh, in 2011, Thoreau was living his life in prison, you know, doing his thing, having his, I guess, conjugal visits with the crazy women who decided to still sleep with him and have children. Ew. Um, And so Thoreau's cellmate, Walks up to, um, like, the guard station inside of the prison, hands them a bloodied knife, and said, That piece of shit is down on the range. Here's the knife. I've sliced him up. Yes, 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 Thoreau, Thoreau, Thoreau was 63 years old. Yes, he saw himself as a prophet and then a god. And like most cult leaders do, he ruined people's lives because of this false prophet ideology he believed himself to have. He is now in the special place where all the other cult leaders go. Jim Jones, Amshin Rico, Marshall Applewhite and Bonnie Nettles to the far, far depths of hell. A place that nobody else sees, but I hope they are all burning and in so much pain from the pain and suffering they have all caused so many others while they were here on Earth. Um, Marshall Applewhite is in the tale of a comet right now. But other than that, you're <laughs> he's riding. He's no, he's riding one of the flames in hell right now. Just like, yeah, I see. I told y'all. He's like, woo, mama, look, I'm flaming now. What so a yeah, ride. Oh my god, it's it's just absolutely fucking crazy. The shit that went on here. Wow, wow, wow. So this is definitely not a cult that I think any of us would want to join. The name sounds cool, like the Ant Hill Kids. Like, it sounds cool at first. And, like, some of the pictures, you're like, whoa. It's a bunch of, you know, he looks like a hippie. And the women are all smiling and they're happy. Like, it looks great. But no. 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 I don't love anybody enough to just let them chop off my arm. Mm -mm. I don't love Mm -mm. anyone enough to even do any of that. Not even some of it. I don't even love anyone enough to go to the middle of nowhere Canada without any luxuries. Yeah, and I definitely and just, don't love anyone enough to let them marry a million other people. Absolutely not. No, I felt so bad for Giselle, who was his first wife, because when it first started, she was like, I am very upset about 
like how how I'm not getting any more of your attention and how you're only, you know, you're only paying attention to these guys and you don't spend as much time with me. And he would react by like punching her in the face and telling her to shut up. And she oh stayed. Ay, ay, ay. Well, I'm really glad that you guys told me that thrilling story. <laughs> you are so a happy welcome. ending. Renee and I just decided to put on everybody. Happy holidays, everybody. I'm sorry for everything. Merry Chrysler. What is Merry Chrysler? Okay. All right, kids. Well, we really missed you, even though you're not listening yet, but I can feel you already, and I'm really happy to have you guys back. And it's good to be back in the studio. And we can't wait to talk to you next week-ish about spiritualism. And I know you're really tired of being in your house and with the people in your bubble, but it's going to be okay. And I love you guys. I love you guys. We all love you. I love sipping tea and talking about horrific things with y'all. Yeah, I wouldn't want to talk about molasses bus with anyone else. (laughs) (laughs) There's only... There is... A very small number of people that I can talk about molasses butts with. So I'm just grateful for y'all. Molasses butts. As we have signed off on almost every episode with this this year, it is still true. Please wash your hands. Please wear your masks. Please love your neighbors. And please be good to yourself. (laughs) We'll talk to you guys next time. All right. Bye. Bye. Goodbye. Bye. I would like to live. I do that. I just want to do God's will. Just to go. And I want you to know tonight that we are.